This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Welcome to the Weekly Wrap, the week in news and what's coming up. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. We started the week with the Grammys. We ended the week with the right to disconnect, Claire. And smushed in amongst all of that was King Charles's cancer diagnosis, also the disappearance of a Victorian mother and more big companies and their profits. Yeah, and coming up, Lunar New Year, Indonesia has an election and a heap of festivals to get around. The most clicked link in the Squiz Today email, Claire, were both things that don't work in podcast. Wildlife photos, for example. <laughs> it's really hard, isn't it? I can happily explain what a happy turtle looks like. He was really quite lovely. But do we really want to hear you do that? Is that what we're here for? <laughs> I love talking about happy turtles, but no, perhaps not the time or the place for that. The second most clicked link was, again, <laughs> something that we probably can't really explain. It was drone footage of a graffitied high rise in LA. So I thought instead of talking about either of those two things, you can check them out via the link in your episode notes if you're still really interested. That's a very efficient way to do that. Let's do that. But let's talk about the Grammys, the biggest night in music. Significant one in my news consumption this week, but you said not so much yours. No, I just don't think I had the bandwidth for it this week and there was nothing that attention grabbing for me. But there was for you and plenty of other people around and the world. Like, it's surprising to me because it was a huge news story that Taylor Swift announced she'd release a new yes. album I in April. That. Yeah, you clocked that, of yeah. course. My group chats, of course, exploded at the same time with that news. We also had Miley Cyrus win her first Grammy for Flowers. Love that tune. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it sticks Great with you, song. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Kylie Minogue got one. Yeah. Jay-Z was honoured with a Global Impact Award. He did a bit of a Kanye saying that Beyonce should have Album of the Year at some point in her career and she hasn't yet. Yeah, it really could have gone off track at that moment. Of course, there's form, as you mentioned. Mm. The point is Beyonce hasn't ever won Album of the Year, which is the really big one. That's the one that you want to win. It's the most prestigious award at the Grammys. She's won a ton of other Grammys. Um, she's the most decorated Grammy winner, but Taylor Swift has won four yeah, albums and, of the year. And I mean, I think regardless of all of that, Taylor Swift really stole everyone's thunder, oh, to be yeah. honest. Well, and the achievement is massive. Like album mm. of the year is the prize to win at the Grammys and she's now got four of them. Yeah, exactly. Incredible. So history making. Tracy Chapman also performed for the first time in a long time with her song Fast Car. That was a big deal. It was. And I have, it's one of those weird things from childhood. I have such a clear memory of her performing at the 1989 Grammys where she won Best Song. Wow. She was such a shy performer, which is kind of why she never went on and did much more that had that kind of success because she just didn't like all of that attention. Mm. She performed at the Grammys in 89 and you could see how much the crowd just loved her. Loved so that. seeing and her come back like 35 years later was pretty touching. And that song with Luke Combs, of course, uh, Joni Mitchell also performed. She's 81. Yeah. She sang both sides now. It was all happening. Even bigger news this week though in I guess entertainment, pop culture, um, you know, Royal, our constitutional I don't even know. monarchy. Yeah, I was going to say I, <laughs> politics. I mean, where do you put the royals in and amongst all of that? Yeah, but true. of course, King Charles's cancer diagnosis, the events following, namely around a visit from his son Harry. Lots of speculation about the type of cancer, how unwell he may or may not be. What do we know for sure? 
It's an interesting conversation, isn't it, I think, because we just a few weeks ago had a conversation about him having an enlarged prostate, being very public about that so that others could follow the lead, other men could actually go and get checked and have something done about it. Now we're not talking about what he has, Mm. so there was that bit of jarring, I think. But, of course, when it comes to the facts of what we know, he's having some regular treatments now. He's doing that in London. He's been advised by his doctors to postpone his duties. Public duties. It seems rather positive, the sentiment at this point. Lots of chat, though, about what happens if he can't do his job because of treatment or a long illness. There's a few steps. There's been lots of long reads about Mm. what actually happens. But the I guess notable one for me was if he can't do his job, a regent is appointed. That's what it's called. I'm reading this from the SMH this week, Claire. It says, a regent acts on the monarch's behalf, assuming most of the monarch's royal functions except the power to grant royal assent to a bill that alters the line of succession or changes the Scottish system of government. So they can do everything just not make themselves the king or the queen, which seems fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) But they're not allowed to say no No. to becoming a regent. Exactly. They have to do it. They're shoehorned into it. Mm. And that is William's lot in life, of Mm -hmm. course, is the heir to the throne. Yeah, royal duties, call and all of that, of course. If the king isn't going to get better, so a next step, we then head into abdication territory. By all accounts, That's getting a bit ahead of ourselves. The British Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, was keen to water down any panic. Their weekly meetings will continue, Claire. The general message is, he's okay, relax. Perhaps the more widely discussed part of all of this, though, was Harry's visit. Yeah, so it was a half-hour meeting. 45 minutes, something like that. Very quick, no family with him. Megan and the kids stayed at home. There was a bit of analysis about the length of that meeting. Um, There was a a mountain. Yeah, I'm looking at, we're looking at each other (laughs) going, there was a a mountain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) A lot. Some have noted, of course, in that analysis that Charles just might not have been up for a long visit. He might actually he, be. He might be unwell. Pretty unwell. Fact, yes. So um, that is certainly a factor to consider, not that there's some difficulty that they didn't want to spend time together. A lot said, though, about Harry staying in London for just 24 hours and that he didn't see his brother and mm. that he didn't stay with any family. He stayed in a luxury hotel. I sent you a message saying, where do I read all the gossip about this if I wanted to? (laughs) I'm not like I'm not a dedicated royal observer and I'm sure people listening who are are like, Kate, of course, you go to Tatler. (laughs) Tatler. It's the place to go. As they say, they pitch themselves as the original social media. They have been covering British society for decades. Well, yeah, and to give you an example, the headline today, so I jumped on. Yep. You'll be pleased to know. (laughs) This is the headline, Tatler goes inside London's air ambulance gala where Hollywood and royalty cross paths for one night. That reference, of course, being to Prince William's appearance at that event. First time he's been out and about in a while. It is. He's been caring for Kate, who's recovering from surgery. They have three kids that they need to wrangle. I'm sure they get a bit of help. I'm sure they do. Like some meals. Maybe someone drops over some meals. I'm not quite sure. Perhaps. (laughs) But yeah, this real narrative coming through around the pressure on William, Mm. that he's got it at the home front, now his dad's unwell, he's stepping up, and juxtapose that against Harry, who just sort of jets in and jets out. Oh, there's your little tattler tease (laughs) for the morning. Let's move on. 
Plenty of other big news stories this week outside of King Charles, of course. Claire, first wanted to tie up where things have landed on tax cuts, though, because we did talk about it a lot last week. It's still a big theme as far as our politics. We finished Weekly Wrap last week with speculation the Dutton opposition would potentially support the changes to tax cuts. They did end up doing that. The politics of this is that means the government doesn't have to negotiate with the Greens. Yeah, and that's important to note because the Greens wanted other amendments. Mm. Um, They wanted tax cuts to be split out in a different way and that would give lower income earners more of a tax break. Um, That didn't happen because of that deal with the coalition. Um, I guess, Kate, It's interesting because the coalition was really a bit snookered on this. Mm. They didn't want to change the reforms that were already legislated that would give higher income earners more of a tax break. They didn't want to walk away from that. But they also took the government's point that giving more assistance to middle and low income earners was an important thing to do right now. So they've agreed to it and they're moving it on. Yeah, the risk, I guess, in opposing it would have been that they would have been denying the majority a tax break during a really challenging economic time. So they said, okay, we'll roll over. They also said, stand by for our tax plan. It's going to be significant. I would say it's going to be epic. It's going to be (laughs) epic. That's how we started the first week of parliament back for the year. Quickly turn from tax to IR, industrial relations. Been banging on about this for ages, haven't you? I have. In a our little, private well, privately, conversations. I, not banging go, on, just banging on. we need to talk about this at some <laughs> point because it was a real thing at the end of the year as well. Yeah, it really was. So yeah. um, the Albanese government's IR reforms, they've been debated for months. They've been before the parliament for a really long time. You were saying to me, when are we going to talk about this? I keep saying there's a lot of movement to yep. go, like just keep your powder dry a little bit and let's just see Chill. where we don't need to bring everyone along this long journey with us. So here we are. It all of a sudden became very, very clear very quickly this week. A deal was done with the government and the Greens, also the crossbenchers, David Pocock and Lydia Thorpe. Can I just pause you there? Because yep. this was something that I needed to wrap my head around just generally as a news observer so that I understood how the, the mechanics of this government works. What needs to happen for a bill to be made into a law in the current setting is that, of course, it has to go through the Senate. As it stands, for Labor to do that, they need the support of the Greens and two crossbenchers. So any piece of legislation that they don't have the support of the opposition for needs to have the support of the Greens and two crossbenchers. It's just handy info to keep in your back pocket as we talk about um, this government. Getting things done. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of course, they've got a majority in the House of Reps, so things go through there for Labor. Um, but, of course, in our bicameral system, you have to get things through the Senate oh, and the House of Reps. Wow, that is, that is, um, that is technical. <laughs> it's a good day any day I get to talk about our bicameral system of government. Um, anyway, so as it happened this week, they did get the numbers in the Senate, so it's all a go. In the case of getting this legislation through, Kate, it's all about the talking point of the week anyway, uh, a law protecting workers' right to disconnect. That was the deal that they had to do with the Greens and the crossbench in order to get this IR bill passed. What is it? Put simply, it's a workplace condition that protects employees who choose to ignore unreasonable attempts by their bosses to contact them after hours. It's an issue that supporters of it say has become acute thanks to the pandemic. Yeah, so just that setup. We're not in the offices anymore. We're now at home. Mm. Um, people working away from the office and this high sort of degree of connectivity that we have now with Wi-Fi and mobile phones and smartphones, um, not needing to be in the office, it's led many workers to say that they're actually working longer hours. They're responding to more requests from their employers 
outside of traditional business hours and that's become a bit of a norm. Yeah, the plan is, like other work conditions, that the Fair Work Commission would be the umpire for any dispute. Orders can be imposed similar to those issued for workplace bullying or harassment. Big criticism of this from the opposition, from the business community, they say it's just not necessary. They say it makes it harder and harder for business to operate effectively. They say it dampens flexibility. It's generated a lot of discussion, a lot of headlines, but it's only one part of a much bigger IR plan. Exactly. There's six other really big parts of that legislation. Um, They range from things like setting minimum standards in the gig economy, uh, making it easier for casual workers to get permanent employment. Um, Also, it's about union access to workplaces. They're big things. They are big things without going into the ins and outs, Claire, but I'm sure we will over the coming months. This is the stuff the government promised voters it would address at the last election. It's also very much driven by the unions, who of course still have a lot of power within the Labor Party. You can see the opposition lining up to again point out a major difference between the two parties coming in as the champion for business, big and small. Yeah, exactly right. It's sort of traditional politicking, isn't it, this? It's like we talked about tax last week. These are are the lines in the sand that will be drawn in order to to try and win the hearts and minds of voters. Look at me go. (laughs) But on big business, this is actually really topical this week as well. There's an ongoing conversation about our big companies price gouging. It's kept up steam this week because many of them are in the process of reporting their half-yearly profits. It's very funny how timing can actually play a part in these things. Mm. If you were actually launching a political campaign around price gouging, what you would say is, okay, so let's get some experts talking about it uh, and then let's do that at the same time where these big companies are actually talking about their profits themselves and that's exactly what happened this week. So uh, we had Alan Fells who is a former ACCC regulator, the former competition and Mm. consumer uh, regulator. He has done a bit of work for the unions and has done a report about our big sectors, so retailing, aviation, energy, all the things that we have to pay for to make our lives work and whether the companies that supply those services and goods um, are actually price gouging consumers. What he found is that is the case. There were a couple of companies that were named and shamed in that, but certainly enough work for the unions to hand that to the government and say, off you go. There's a problem here. We flagged that he was speaking at the press club in last week's weekly wrap. So pleased to know that we've predicted that this would be, be news. A story. So yeah. This would be a story. Just to the independence of this review, as you said, it was commissioned by the unions. So you can see a bit of a theme emerging workers v big business in and amongst all of this. As you say, the timing came together on this this week. AGL reported a quadruple of its profits off the back of higher electricity prices. So there you go. Exactly right. And as we head into the coming weeks, well, even next week, Mm. uh, Combank, Wesfarmers, Origin Energy, big Australian companies that are actually integral to our lives um, who have been criticised about the sort of money they make from consumers. So it'll continue to bubble along this one. We can write the commentary on that now, I reckon. But to pivot, to finish off, still big news is the disappearance of Samantha Murphy. She's a 51-year-old woman from Ballarat. She went missing last Sunday on her morning run. This has been a really big story in Victoria all week. All week. It really did go national, though, on Thursday. Police say at this stage there's no evidence of anything suspicious, but they're keeping an open mind about it. Um, It wasn't unusual for Murphy to go for 20-kilometre runs. She's been described by her family and friends as someone who is very, very fit, and she was training for a big fun run. Um, People say, though, that it would be unusual for her to be 
where her last phone ping was. Mm. So lots of questions about exactly what has gone down there. Yeah, these stories are just harrowing, especially when the family stands up, her daughter, late in the week as well. Police did have information earlier in the week. That proved to be wrong, so kind of gone down one rabbit hole and now Mm. we're back. Often with these things, though, there's plenty that they aren't sharing. As we said earlier, what, one of the things we really enjoy about Weekly Wrap, Claire, is looking at next week and what might be news, giving it a go, sort of predicting it and getting people ahead of it. It's um, a handy way to get you across things where you reckon get you prepared. This week, Claire, is the start of the Lunar New Year. That's going to be a big thing. Kate, you're telling me here it's also known as the Spring Festival. Well, that's what SBS told me. Well, I believe SBS on all things multicultural, so that makes sense. They also told me Sydney was the largest celebration outside of Asia. In Chinatown. I didn't know that either. Maybe you could go. Aren't we learning things together? We could go. (laughs) We could go. Actually, I'm not going to be in Sydney this weekend. Oh, okay. (laughs) You can have some dumplings on your own. Yeah. Yeah, SBS has got a really great explainer on the... Lunar New Year, put that in the episode notes, I reckon. Um, One of the things I probably have learned as well is how widely celebrated Mm. it is. So we always talked about the Chinese New Year. Yeah. um, But these days it's the Lunar New Year because it does encompass Korea, Vietnam, Japan, Malaysia, Mongolia, so many places. That's exactly right. Although we do focus on China because the Chinese Zodiac Year begins and ends with Lunar New Year. We're headed into the Year of the Dragon, Claire. And another great link that you can dive into, the Chinese Zodiac and what it all means. Apparently for five decades, the Year of the Dragon has brought on, or coincided with anyway, maybe brought on, a big birth spike. Yeah, a baby boom. Yeah. So we're expecting lots of babies in the Year of the Dragon. I was born in the Year of the Dragon, actually. I was a little concerned to read, though, because I was quite excited. And then I read that apparently being in the Year of Your Zodiac can be a period of upheaval and instability instead. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It says, to ward off misfortune, believers will don auspicious colours and lucky jewellery throughout the year, and you should buy me something red. Oh, man, I can't – I don't have time for you to be in a period of upheaval (laughs) and instability. So, look, we spoke last weekly rap about your grandma, coastal grandma, phase and beige. So looks like I'm buying you something red to wear every day. Red is a lucky colour, so I need some red. Uh, It's also – Claire, how's this for a segue? Oh, God, it sounds – you write these things down and then you say them and they sound so tacky. But it's also the colour for the Kansas City Chiefs who are playing in the Super Bowl on Monday. Very smooth segue. Thank you. I'll give you $5 yes. if you can tell me who they're playing. That's a good point. Um, they're from San Francisco. Yeah. The 56ers, 49ers, 30-20s. I don't actually know. I just know the San Francisco part. I think they're the 49ers. You know what's also – they're also red. Oh, there you go. Yeah, they have the similar colours. Um okay. It's and they're important. playing in Las Vegas. That's yeah. the other weird thing about the Super Bowl, isn't it? Like the two teams, no one's a home team. They're both playing away. I guess so. That's how it works. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, yeah of course, um, we mentioned last week Usher will be the halftime entertainment. Apparently the choreography will be really impressive. <laughs> well, we learned last weekly rap as well, Kate, how much of a fan you are of Usher's. So I expect a rendition of this choreography I was when right. we get past I was, Monday. You know, I was a teenager when he was really big, so yes. <laughs> Politics, though, Indonesia has an election on Wednesday. Sure does. And, look, I reckon that's going to be a shortcut for next week mm. because they're our neighbour, they're a 
they're the third biggest democracy in the world. They're a really huge country and important to our future. So that'll be a good one to get across. Yeah, you guys did a really good shortcut on Pakistan last week ahead of their election. Jump over to the Squiz Today feed if you haven't heard it. That result will actually start to come through over the weekend. But mm. T Indonesia, just give us a little bit of context. The top line is Joko Widodo is done. He's had his two terms mm. as the president. So that's it for him. There are three candidates to replace him. Uh, the front runner is Prabowo Subianto. He has run unsuccessfully for president in, in the past. He's a well-known military guy in Indonesia. He's got a very bloody past mm. and that in, that's including his time in East Timor. So interesting. it's one to watch, yeah. Yeah, fun fact also, Widodo's son is running as his vice president. There yeah, go. there's a bit of, um, what did they call it, nepotism happening there. Let's go full circle and come back to festivals to finish off what's coming up. Other than the Lunar New Year, Thursday is the start of the Adelaide Fringe Festival and Friday, Claire, Mardi Gras in Sydney. Before we get into Squeeze Recommends, we have a message from our podcast partner this week, Lifeline. And this one is specifically for anyone out there who owns or runs a small business because you may or may not be aware that in 2023, new legislation was introduced. It supports employees who might be experiencing domestic or family violence. Yeah. So what it does is allows any employee in Australia to apply for up to 10 days of paid domestic or family violence leave. Claire, given that one in four Australian women and one in 14 men experience domestic violence, it's likely someone in your business is affected. Yeah. And they're fairly confronting numbers. So whilst there's legal obligations as an employer. There's also all of the things that come with supporting an employee. And what this series really does is provide case studies of what might be going on for someone who's in your business and then tips on how to tackle it. Yeah. One episode even goes into what to do if you think one of your employees might be the perpetrator. It's hosted by Gretel Colleen. It's just 10 short episodes. It'll give you a better understanding of your responsibilities, as well as helping you recognise the red flags. Just search for small business big impact in your podcast app. Squeeze recommends Claire. I haven't watched any TV for a little while. Neither of you. I really haven't either. I haven't quite got into the sort of run of that yet, which is a good thing, I think, to start the year well, you doing read a some book. other things. I've read four books. Tell us. Which as we talked last year was, you know, wasn't reading anything. Yeah. Uh, I've ripped through the Thursday Murder Club series. I'm certainly not the first one probably that's spoken to you about no. this. It's a series of four books written by Richard Osman. Um, if you've watched any of those British comedy panel shows, you will know exactly who he is. Mm-hmm. You'll recognise him. He's turned his hand to writing. It's about four oldies at the Cooper's Crossing retirement home. It's just so much fun. And the murders they investigate. I think Georgie Tunney on our Year Ahead podcast recommended this. Yeah. And Um, I totally see why. Really fun. Really fun. Good way to get back into reading if that was something you wanted to do this year. I have not read a book either. I've not watched TV, as I said, but I did get through a long read in The Weekend Australian. It's by journalist Hannah Rose Yee. She's the features writer for Vogue. She went to the Golden Globes, Claire. She got a ticket with Moe and Shandon, the, the, the sponsor, her account of who she saw, what she saw and what it was like to be part of show business's Night of Nights is, is a really good read. We'll put all of those in your episode notes. Squeeze Press, of course, we've been talking about News Club, Claire. The first episode will be out on Tuesday in this feed. We're really looking forward to that. We haven't landed a topic as yet. We have a few options. 
Yeah, because there's like we've just so spent much like news. the last twenty minutes talking about <laughs> new series. The news hasn't made News Club easy for us to do our first one no, because we really want to get a really great topic for you to dive into and for us to demonstrate what we think is going to be a really powerful show mm. in helping you come to informed opinions about the big issues. If you have an idea on a topic you'd like us to cover either this week or in the coming weeks, you can let us know. And the best way to get in touch with us, Claire, will be by sending us a direct message on our Instagram. Instagram account. It's a brand new Instagram account at the Squeeze News Club. Kate, I've followed it on my personal account. <laughs> well, if we can't get you to follow it, I, we're really, there's no hope for us. <laughs> if I've got a question, I will put it there. <laughs> and yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're so excited about News Club. So come along with us. It's going to be great. Yeah. And please um, head to that Instagram account, hit follow. That's where we'll be communicating with you what we're talking about and how we're going about the week in News Club. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Wrap. We'll catch you on Tuesday.